0: This is the SEC Insider
1: Hit, Presented by your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. Go, Go local. Go with a home team.
0: Weekend as Mississippi State wins on the road. Michigan wins on the road. South Carolina wins on the road, among other Crazy, crazy games. Out of bounds, 105.9 The Zone, ESPN. Bundle your car and home insurance and save with your Farm Bureau insurance agent in any of the 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. We welcome in Tom Luganbill on the Yingling Lager guest line. Uh, Tom Luganbill, you played Power 5 football at the quarterback position. You coached it, and you've been doing this deal for for 20 years in recruiting and uh, on the field and in the booth. Uh, How surprised were you that Lane Kiffin burned two timeouts uh, to get his uh, two-point conversion play in at the end of the game?
1: Stunned, I think, like the rest of America, um, who was watching that because you essentially give yourself no chance after the fact because now the clock's working against you and it was an outstanding two-point play, but... It just seemed like they they were, for some reason, discombobulated on the, on the sideline, unsure of maybe what they wanted to do. I haven't seen a Lane Kiffin coached offense perform like that. I haven't seen them not be ready or not have an idea of exactly, all right, we're here, we're here, we're doing this, we're doing that, boom, boom, boom. It was almost like they weren't ready for the moment. It was very, very strange.
0: And wouldn't you... Couldn't we argue that everybody on the sideline should have known that that's what they were going to do as soon as Will Rogers fumbled if they scored yeah, <laughs> several minutes so. before then?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And, and whether it's analytics, whether it's gut, whether it's feeling, uh, that, that, that's exactly what they were going to do. And you know what? Maybe the reality is is they weren't. I don't think that's the case. But they sure didn't seem prepared when the moment came.
0: Tom Lugan, Bill, on the Out of Bounds show. Um. All right, I know you were sitting there thinking Mike Leach committed to the run in the second half, and Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson chewed up a bunch of yards, and they didn't really have – Will Rogers struggled throughout the night, Tom, okay? Yeah. I mean, he was never comfortable in the pocket. He ran into pressure. He had three turnovers and was lucky one of them wasn't a scoop and score. Somebody got Leach during halftime and said, "Run the damn ball." Your thoughts on what you saw from Marks and Dylan chewing up the clock in the in the second half and wearing down that old Miss defense?
1: Well, I don't know if anybody got to Mike Leach aside from himself. I think he just finally, you know, got to the point where we've got to try something else because when you've been ineffective in that offensive quarterback. Typically, you haven't been able to just rely on the run because that's not who you are. You're now outside of your identity. Um, you know, neither neither team rushed for 100 yards. Um, neither team was overly consistent in that, and we talked about that last week, how important it was for Ole Mrs. run game to be, to be what we've seen it become, and it was a mere shell of itself. So for Mississippi State to be able to line up and say, hey, we've got to have a counter to, to Will Rogers. He's not on his game right now. They turned the ball over three times. All right, and are still able to win the game. But one of the reasons they were able to win the game, and this kind of falls in line with being able to chunk some yards out on the ground, they were 50%, 50% on third down. And that was really the difference in the ball game was extending drives.
0: True. And also something else that they did on the defensive side. So, so Ole Miss is an explosive play machine. And Judkins and Evans couldn't get going. Not even Dart could on the ground. But one thing, I thought Dart played well throwing the ball. But the one thing that the Mississippi State DBs and linebackers did is they got the guys on the ground. And that's where Ole Miss will hurt you once, you know, yak yards, whatever you want to call them. And I was impressed with what the state linebackers and DBs did not allowing that to happen, Luke's.
1: It's it's such a lost start. I mean, I, I feel like on our broadcast we talk about it every week. You know, offensive football has become such a space game and I don't just mean vertically but horizontally. Because you, you get put in such a bind on defense and now you're expected to come up, tackle, limit the five yard gain from turning into an eighty yard touchdown. Well, how are you actually supposed to do that consistently and be good at it when the entire week leading up to the game it's all about player safety? protecting the health of your players, limiting contact and practice. I mean, everybody asks, whoa, boy, they're a horrible tackling team. Yeah, so is everybody else because you're not practicing it like you did in the old days, right? So for Mississippi State to come out, to your point, play well in space, break down and tackle, limit the yards after the catch, and really make Ole Miss earn it, that's that. I, I thought it was impressive because I see it across the landscape of college football each and every week. Tackling is just it. It's just not what it used to be. But there's a reason for that. You can't really fault these teams because they're so into player safety and the protection of the player and limiting contacts and collisions during the week that you can't expect them to go out there at 100 miles an hour on, for three and a half hours on a Saturday and be a really good tackling team. So Mississippi State, I thought, overcame in that regard.
0: Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, recapping rivalry weekend. Uh, Mike Leach needed that one. He had lost two. Yeah. And in this state, you really can't lose three in a row. He was coming back, but he would have been under an enormous amount of pressure in 2023. What did you make of the distractions? And I didn't think Lane handled anything well the last – I don't know 10 to 14 days, Tom. Yeah, I, you know, I always
1: think those guys are put into a tough position. You know, what do you say? What can you say? Um the moment you you give it any credence or you give a rumor any credibility, now there's there's no way of, of working around it. I thought he did a nice job though uh pushing back on on the reporter that tweeted that you know he was already gone he'd be accepting the the auburn job by friday or whatever it was the language was in the tweet and he pushed back and then pushing back and stating that and then having it be real was important for him i just think Bo, that oftentimes in those situations how how are you supposed to be right as the pursued coach how are you supposed to be right in terms of how you handle that because You have a team you've got to be responsible for. You've got a staff you've got to be responsible for. And then if there's any legitimacy to it, you're supposed to be spending all of your time also trying to figure out how you're going to make the transition. Yeah. So, yeah, was it ideal? Was it ideal? No. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If that Auburn job goes to Hugh Freeze, he will not have earned it. What Hugh Freeze and Liberty did on Saturday was embarrassing.
0: Oh, yeah, well – he and Lane were both 0 6 down the stretch. You know, so it's obvious it it had an impact on them in some way shape or form as you're kind of alluding to, right? Yeah, I mean, this is New Mexico State. Comes in and at
1: one point of the game it was 49 to 7. You talk about a team that told their coach to go stick it where the sun don't shine?
0: That was Liberty. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/oob and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. And if he doesn't
1: get said we're done.
0: And if he doesn't get the job, which this whole thing is, oh. who knows what's going to happen here. Um Look, they'll take him back just like Ole Miss is some, I don't know, a lot of their fan base is ticked. That if he wins, he'll win them back. And if he does well in the portal and blah, blah, blah. But, sure, um, you know, Ole Miss fans, there was a lot of Lane to Auburn fatigue just in two weeks here. Of North course South. there was. Yeah, and, and again, proximity to the school,
1: same conference, same division. You know, that's uh, it's not an enjoyable journey. And, uh, again, it's a credit to the job he's done at Ole Miss. He's re-energized the fan base. They've become competitive on the field. Uh, they did a great job in the transfer portal. So you can see where where the attention came from. The thing that I think is interesting between Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze is oftentimes when jobs are coming up, we're, you know we're hearing about Lane Kiffin, right? When a job opening has been out there the last couple of years, is anybody going and pursuing Hugh Freeze? Did Nebraska pursue Hugh Freeze? Did Wisconsin pursue Hugh no, Freeze? No. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't. I don't think so. I don't think. Did they Georgia did. Tech? No. No. I mean, it's so. I don't know. That kind of makes you wonder a little bit.
0: Yeah, and good lord, as good a coach as he is, and recruiter. He's a really good coach and good recruiter, and, and he's good with kids. Like kids, he's, he's love really playing football. Yep, no doubt. Here's what jumped out at me: Demario Davis sat right beside me in the studio, all pro linebacker for the Saints. Uh-huh. And I asked him, you know, best coach you ever played for. And he said, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And yet, he can't get out of people's DMs and so on. And and just be quiet and, and you know, lay low and maybe he gets the Auburn job. I don't know what John Cohen and the Auburn president are going to do, but he may have you know, social media himself out of this thing, Tom. And you know how bad he wants back into Power 5. Plus, you could win big at Auburn. I know it. I know it. And and again,
1: um, the product he put on the field, particularly this last weekend, is bad optics. Mm. Really bad optics.
0: Okay. I want to go to... When you look at... South Carolina, and I don't know what happened. You you played quarterback at Georgia Tech. You coached it. Spencer Rattler did not look good, okay? <laughs> for the whole year. For the whole year. And so <laughs> yeah. you tell me, Tom Luganville, because you watched the tape and all this stuff, what in the hell happened the last three weeks that is so much different for South Carolina, for him to look like a totally different player, and for them to beat Tennessee and Clemson?
1: Well, it's really the last two weeks. Cause if you remember prior to the Tennessee game, they got beat 38 to six by Florida who then went on to lose to Vanderbilt in Florida state. So somehow I don't, I, get, I gotta be honest with you though, I don't know what the answer is. I bet you, if you ask Shane Beamer, he's not quite sure what the answer is. They wanted their offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield fired two weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden they look like the offense that they were hoping they would have with him now. I'm not one of those guys, and I've said this to you, I said it during the offseason, I'm not a big Spencer Rattler fan when it comes to consistency of performance, leadership, and being that guy that's the Pied Piper. I think he's extremely gifted. I also think he's extremely streaky, which he has been all year long. He's an up-and-down player. Um I just think I got to be honest with you. I, I think part of it is they ran into two opponents on back-to-back weekends that showed absolutely zero respect for them. That that's and, true. And they went out. They went out with their backs against the wall, everything to gain, nothing to lose, and just threw it all out there. And and maybe to be honest with you, maybe they told because I think this is where Spencer Rattler actually is really good. This old Spencer Rattler, go out there and rip it. Act like you're a little kid playing in the playground. Go out there and, and turn it loose. And maybe he's been playing in a very tight, uh, very I'm afraid to make a mistake type of mentality that's hindered his ability to just kind of truly unleash it. But the last two weeks, that's exactly what they did on offense, just unleash the ball. And, and listen, was it perfect on, on Saturday? No. But, I mean, that team was down 14 to nothing.
0: I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, I thought Clemson was ready to run the – you know what? Clemson literally checked out on that second touchdown. They, Big time. They thought we've got this game. We've won seven in a row. We're done. And man, they thought
1: South Carolina would fold.
0: They did. And there's something about what Beamer brings to the. T- I mean, I thought it was a iffy at best, questionable at best hire. Um, and but there is something to them playing for him and the whole thing. All right, what about Clemson and, and DJ Lele and the fact that Dabo is promoted from within, and that's fine, but when you're where you are at Clemson, don't you need to look around and get the best available? And they're sticking this with DJ a couple years in. You know, where is this trending and where is this headed at Clemson?
1: Well, I, I think from, from the, the internal staff hires, I, there is, and I can see it from Dabo's perspective, he, he loves the continuity. He loves the consistency, and if he's got a guy that's been a great worker, been within the program, has some talent as a teacher and a coach, and there's an opportunity to elevate that player, he likes the comfort of not shaking things up unnecessarily. Does that mean you're going to make the right move every time? No, but he's made the right moves with other guys in that regard. I mean, you had Chad Morris and Brent Venables. Aside from those two, everybody else has come from within. And this has kind of been the first time we've seen a bit of a hiccup, particularly on offense with new leadership, coaching the quarterback and, and, and running the offense. But at the same time, this is also the first time that we've seen a Clemson offense not have a T Higgins, not have an Amari Rogers, not have a Sammy Watkins, you know, not have a healthy Justin Ross or a Martavius Bryant or a Mike Williams. All right. Right now they have Antonio Williams, who's a true freshman. He's the best skill guy on their entire team. That's problematic. On top of it, I think where Dabo has gone wrong in all of this, and I know how loyal he is to his kids, but you can only take that thing so far in defense of DJ before his performance makes you look like a fool. Because I know there's plenty of blame to go around, but they are a shell of themselves of what they've been in the past at quarterback. He just – he's not good enough. I mean, if we're going to just call it what it is, um, he's he's – Just good enough if you have quality players, which they do, but if you had elite players around him, I'm curious to know if he's one of those guys that could take advantage of that and elevate the rest of the team. Like I look at J.J. McCarthy at Michigan the other day. Okay, so look at Michigan in comparison to Clemson. Michigan has been a, we're going to line up, we're going to run the ball down your throat, we're going to have a short underneath controlled passing game as a result they were one of the worst teams in college football in terms of explosive plays in yards per pass attempt. They were not a, a team in the passing game in the red area. They went to Ohio State without their best player in Blake Corum, and JJ McCarthy delivered big time.
0: Right? Do you believe? How about them throwing the ball do down the field? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. To answer your right. question. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and I want to go there to uh, Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, joining us on the Yingling Lager guest line. Um, how about Michigan going to Ohio State and winning? And what you just said, I, I haven't in, in the modern era, which means they never did it because Bo Schimbeckler was three yards on cloud of dust. In the modern era, I've never seen them push the ball down the field like they did Saturday. Now, I've read this article like I'm sure you have. Uh, Tom Luganbill all on Biff Pogey, who evidently is this remarkable uh, football dude who Harbaugh hired before the 2021 season, and he was able to get them streamlined and make everybody better, and now he's going to Charlotte. And maybe there's some of it there. How surprised were you that Michigan threw the ball deep and pushed the ball down the field against Ohio State?
1: Not surprised at all, given the way that Ohio State chose to play them. All right, so Ohio State chose to just line up everybody at the line of scrimmage, all right, essentially being cover zero with no defensive safety help or cover one with a single high safety. And they acted like we have to stuff the run and force J.J. McCarthy to beat us through the air. But they were taking that approach as if Blake Corn was in the game. He wasn't in the game, right? So now, and I'll go to halftime. I don't know if you saw the halftime of that game. Urban Meyer was 100% correct with his analysis. He said, if I'm Ryan Day, I'm going to Jim Knowles, and I'm saying, Coach, get out of the cover one, get out of the cover zero, get out of the man, sit back in zone, make them earn it, keep the ball in front of you, and and play, play the long game here. Jim Knowles did not do that. And if you noticed, there were one-on-one opportunities, and so Michigan said, well, if you're going to give us those, We're going to take them, and we're going to count on our skill to beat you. And then if you look at late in the game, when you play with that deep type of defensive approach, you break the first line of defense, it's over. And look at Donovan Edwards on the two runs that he had. Once he's got through his crease, there's no safety help. There's nobody on the back end because everybody's up at the line of scrimmage. And it just seemed like Ohio State was so stubborn with their defensive approach, and then credit Michigan Saying, okay, if that's how you're going to play us, here you go, JJ. Here's your opportunity to prove everybody wrong. L-
0: Let's go! What a win for Harbaugh and the program oh, to you. go over there, man. Good grief! A um, and M at LSU. Uh, how, what do you chalk that up to? Is still first year, and they're going to do that? I mean, LSU still had so much to play for, and they no show. Yeah. is it was it what you just referenced? With, with Clemson, South Carolina, and, and Tennessee, South Carolina, they didn't have any respect for a and
1: Probably. I mean, and again, we're dealing with 18- to 22-year-old kids here, and we've seen it happen all throughout the season. We've seen this on just about every weekend of a team going out and being lackadaisical, looking like, hey, we're just going to put our pants on, we'll, we'll beat this team. They've, they, they've just been terrible the entire year. And then the other team, again, has nothing to lose everything to gain, and lays it all out on the line. And I I think the other thing, too, this isn't professional football. You, you're not just going to flip a switch. If you're not ready to play, you don't just get, you know, three quarters into the first quarter and say, oh, okay, well, we're going to start playing now. That's not how it works. Not unless you have remarkable upperclassmen leadership. I just don't think it works that way.
0: Okay. Um, out of bounds, ESPN 105.9, there's zone. Playoff, real quick. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. What do you see playing out this weekend? Who do you think it'll be once it all shakes out? Tom?
1: Well, I think that um, obviously SC has to avenge that loss versus Utah. If they do, they're in. Um, TCU, I think, could still have an opportunity if they lost a close game to still be in, potentially, but I, I, I would worry about them. Because then you would potentially have an Ohio State team out, and the committee will probably like. Um, and so, Hold on, real
0: quick, would you yeah. take uh, Ohio State over a 2 lost Bama team who who lost by a whisker on the road to LSU in Tennessee, and Ohio State lost at home? Where are you on that, Luke?
1: I am more so when you when you look at that one. Obviously, head to head makes a difference, common opponents, where you lost and what was that team like when you lost to them and so on and so forth. But I would say that Alabama's created a lot of their own issues, and I would probably lean towards Ohio State just a little bit because Alabama's in the position they were in where they didn't just get beat toe-to-toe. They go up to Tennessee. They got beat on the road. Okay, well, they committed 18 penalties. They turned the ball over. Like That's the one thing that even though they're a really good football team, if you told me, push your chips to the table, if Alabama got in the playoff, do you think TCU could beat them? No, I don't. No. Do you think SC could beat them? Probably not. Do you think um, a Michigan would beat them? I don't know. Maybe not. All right? But I don't like how they got to this point. And it's been uncharacteristic of them as a team. And, um, but I will say this. The schedule for Ohio State has been very poor. Outside of the Notre Dame game. Yeah. All right? The, <laughs> the, the conference has been down. The, the West Division is, is, is terrible. All right? And Penn State can't play well in big games. I mean, that's the bottom
0: line. Uh, all right, we got 60 seconds. Um, Brom is in the Big Ten championship game. We expect Michigan to win, but you'll never know. Uh, Brom, I mean, it, it, I don't think Auburn's going to circle back to Kiffin. It looks like Kiffin's at Ole Miss, and they yeah. figured out the workaround on the eight-year contract through the private foundation. And this Hugh Freeze and, and the sexual harassment stuff, this doesn't look – it's not a good look. Um if they if they land on Brom, what are your thoughts, Brom to Auburn? Purdue's head coach.
1: Uh, that would actually surprise me a little bit. Um, I, I don't want to say that kind of has a Brian Hartson feel to it, but oh. you know Brian Hartson's won a lot more football games than Jeff Brom has. Okay. And that didn't work. You know I think Auburn's in a bit of a pickle here. I, I think there's there's a certain degree of the Auburn folks that are so desperate to hire Hugh Freeze because he's beaten Nick Saban. Right. Right. And and Alabama's living rent-free in their head.
0: (laughs) They are. Tom Luganville on the Out of Bounds show. Thanks, Luke. Take care, guys. That was fun. Uh, Tom Luganville joined us on the Yingling Lager guest line as we went over the Golden Egg game. And we talked to Little Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, and LSU just absolutely laid an egg in college station. And now they're loving Jimbo again. Steve Robertson at 930.